Praise God. Praise God. It's great to see everyone today, and for everyone who is online, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in uh, this Sunday. So I'm going to be starting a series on the heart. It's a three-part series, and the whole point of this series is to cause the people of God to look at themselves, to hold a mirror to ourselves, and not so much to not so much to the point of condemnation, but just to look at ourselves and see where we're lacking in our walk with Christ. Because there's a world out there that needs us. There, there's a world out there that needs to hear the word that God has placed in our heart. But the problem is, is that sometimes we're still holding on to the past. Sometimes we, we are still being weighed down by, by the world or by our struggles. And, and we, we don't take our struggles, we don't take our pain to the foot of the cross. We don't, we don't take it to the one who has the power to deliver us. We, we don't take it to God. And so we, we spend our time in this world fighting against things that God is ready to deliver us from. So the whole point of this series is just to get us to see some of the things that we're struggling in and then get us to have that faith in our Father, have faith in his word that he will deliver us and then be able to uh, go on the path that he has for us and speak to the people he wants us to speak to, to make a difference because we are the salt of this world. We are that city on that hill. We are the ones. We, we were the plumb line. And so people look at us. The world look at us. God wants to put his children on display to show you, yes, they are not perfect, but they're mine. And I love them. And I can love you too. So that's the whole point of this series. So, today we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, but before I continue, I'd just like to pray. Lord God of Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for people who didn't deserve it, and yet you saw something worth in us to sacrifice your sinless son, just so we can be with you because you love us. And we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done, that you're doing, and that you will do. We pray in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. Um, scripture is going to find us in Jeremiah 4, but before I get there, just kind of want to give you a little background. So the title of today's message is The Abomination of the Heart. So if we go to Jeremiah chapter 1, we see that Jeremiah was called at a very young age. And he was called by God to be a prophet and to speak to God's people. Jeremiah was sent to speak 
to the people of God to tell them of their wicked ways, to tell them to, to turn back because they, they started following after idols. They started following after what God was calling abominations. They started seeking those things and they turned away from God. And God was, and God sent Jeremiah to say, speak to my people and tell them of what they have done. Tell them what they're doing. And God even got to the point where he was even pleading with them. He was even, he was even pleading with them. He's saying, what have I done for you to turn away? He, he was, he was, it was like he was saying, I I've done all these great things. He even got to the point to where he was reminding them. He's like, remember when you followed me through the wilderness, you followed me through this uncultivated land, you followed me, you trusted me to to come after me through a land that was not fit for people to live, but yet you were with me, you trusted me, you loved me, I showed myself to you, I blessed you, I provided for you. What have I done? For you now to turn away and going after false gods, gods that were made by hand, that are really no gods. Did your fathers find a fault in me? What is it? Then he starts saying, remember how it was when we were married. God was trying to get them to remember the good times when he was fought, when they were following him. He, he was trying to get them to remember the relationship they had. And God was like, do you remember all of this? When I was your God and you were my people. God, God said that you were holiness to me, meaning that they were set apart. They were set apart from the rest of the world. They belonged to God. God pointed them out and said, I want you. And then they turned away and started worshiping false gods, started worshiping the works of their hands. And so this brings us to Jeremiah chapter 4. And our scripture is going to be in Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And it reads, If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then shall you not remove. And you shall swear the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. So in verse 1, we see that God is pleading. He is still pleading with this people. If you go back to the previous verses, uh, the previous chapters, God even said that if, if a woman 
commits adultery and goes another way. Would, would, if, would, she, would, would that land not be polluted or would she not be polluted? Basically, he was saying that if a woman goes and, and commits adultery, would that husband want to take her back? But God said, I will still take you back after all that you've done, after the adultery, after seeking other gods, after, after, after um, uh, forsaking me. I will still take you back. He's showing his people how much he loves them. He's showing his people, regardless of your sin, that I still love you and I want you to be with me. And here in verse 4, he is still pleading with them. Or chapter 4, verse 1. And then he's saying, don't just return to me. Don't just come to me, but put the abominations out of my sight. He's saying, put these idols, this, this, this abomination out of my sight. And he says, if you put these abominations out of my sight, then you will not be removed. You won't be removed out of this land. And so you have to understand when God is saying, to remove the abominations out of my sight, it goes a little deeper than what you may get in Scripture. It's not just taking these idols that they built by hand and throwing them away or crushing them. Because we can do things on the outside. You know, we can put on the nice clothes and the nice cologne and we can... We can speak what people say, Christianese, say all the right things. But God will still look at us and say, put the abomination out of my sight. And then we, we, we can turn back and say, but God, I, I, I'm going to church. But God, I, I'm listening to preachers on YouTube. But God, I, I, I'm listening to, to worship music now and then. And he can still look at you and say, put the abomination out of my sight. And you would turn to him, but what else can I do? And he can look at you and say, it's your heart. Because the issue with the people of God, when they turned to their false idols, it wasn't the idols itself, but they turned their heart to these idols. So you can do things on the outside, but God is not like man that looks on the outside. He looks at the heart of the individual. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22 the Lord says, though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. So even though we're doing all these great things, he's telling them, you can wash yourself. You can try to, you can try to do ritual purification, but that's not the problem. The problem is it's your heart. Your heart desire these things. Your heart desires to go away from the truth. And he says, remove the abomination. Remove the things that you've placed over me. Because when he's talking about abomination and is referring to the idols, he's saying that there, there are things in your life that you've placed over me. There are things that takes your focus and you've placed them over me. There, there's things that you're listening to 
that, that you, you will listen to more than you listen to my word. So idol worship is still today. It's not so much that we have statues and, you know, we bow down every, every five minutes or however, uh, however they used to do it. But what it is is that when we take anything and we put it in the place of God, that's idolatry. And that's an abomination. And see, what we don't understand is that these abominations can control us. They, if, if we don't take care of them, they will direct us in the path that we don't want to go. It, it will cause us to contradict the word of God. Now, the enemy doesn't play fair. We have to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy will take every single opportunity he can to cause you to walk from the divine path God wants you to be on. So he will bring trauma. He will bring hurt. He will remind you of your past. He will cause you to feel guilt. And sometimes when, when we fall into shame and we hold on to shame and we start focusing, <coughs> sorry, we start focusing on the guilt and, and the things in the past, Instead of who God says that we are, we will start acting in that way. When we focus on our hurt and our anger, sometimes we start lashing out at the very person God wants us to witness to. Sometimes, uh, just because we don't get the attention that we got as a child, we start seeking attention in the wrong places. Our very hands can be our own idols. My hands was my own idol. I remember I was saying that there was no one on this earth who can break me. Every, I felt that everything that I touched was gold. And it seemed that it was. But I wasn't doing it for God. So I remember I even got a tattoo. It was, it, was, it was my nickname and a chain, and the chain meant unbreakable. Like, no one can break me. This is my symbol. This is who I am. And when everybody sees this, they will know me. I, this, 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 this is how I puff myself up. That abomination, that pride was there. But God... God stepped in and God broke me. God literally broke me. I have a plate and five pins in my ankle because God broke me. Because at that time, I said it was easier to live for the world than to live for God, but God held on to me and, sometimes, and God had to break me. I'm praying he doesn't have to break your foot. And I only have one other good foot, so, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with Jesus, but... God had to break me to cause me to realize that he's always been there. That he's always helped me. That, that all the blessings that I have had nothing to do with my own hands, but because he was there carving the path out for me. 
But my abomination that was in my heart caused me to tell God. I remember I told God, it is easier to live for the world than to live for you. I am leaving. I am going. I am done with you. But God was not done with me. And we have an example in the Bible where the abomination in this character's heart caused him to do something contrary to the word of God. We have King David. Now, you guys may remember the story of King David and Bathsheba. So the Bible actually says that this was the time that the kings were out to war. It's, it's particularly pointed to that. This was the time that the king should have been out fighting with the army. But David was home asleep. His men were out fighting, but David was home asleep. So he was already out of position. And then the Bible said that he walked up to, he walked up, it goes on, uh, let's just say it's the, the king's ceiling. And he looks over and he sees this woman who was bathing. And he calls for her. And they were like, you know, she's, you know, she's Uriah's wife. And he said, you know, I just, call, I just want to talk to her for a second, ask her how she's doing, maybe find out what bubble bath she's, she's using. Because, you know, I need some conditioner and everything for my hair. I just want to talk with her. So she comes and, long story short, David sleeps with her. Finds out she's pregnant. And tries to cover it up. Now, understand this. This is David. When we talk about David, we're talking about how David defeated Goliath. How, how David used to stand up and said, who is this Philistine who defied the armies of the Most High God? This is the David that we talk about when we say, this is a man after the heart of God. When we talk about David, we say David who was hunted by Saul and still sought not to kill Saul when he had the opportunity because he would say, touch not God's anointed. This is King David when we talk about he would he would dance he would dance in front of people even to the point that his wife got upset at, at him but he will still bless the Lord this is that King David but because David had lust in his heart though he knew what he was doing was wrong that lust drove him not just sleep with another man's wife. That abomination drove him not to take another man's wife, though he had a couple hundred of his own. But he tried to hide it by having that man murdered in war. This is the perfect example of how when we, when we allow these abominations to reside in our heart, that they will cause us to do things that is contrary to the word of God. They will cause us to, to reject the things that God has for us. They, they will cause us to turn away. Remember, God was talking to his people. 
He was talking to his people. When he said, you have forsaken me. Just like he's speaking to us today. You have forsaken me. And you've placed your cell phone over me. The first thing you wake up to. The one thing you're flipping throughout the day. And the last thing you have in your hands before you go to sleep. You, 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 you put your job before me. Not saying that having a job is bad. But when you make sure that you make it to work on time. You make sure that you answer every single email from your boss. But you never spend time on your knees praying to God. You, you make sure that you do over time. But you're not at Sunday night service or, or Bible study. You make sure that you watch the shows. You make sure that you know about every single artist. And on the billboard artist, but you never spend time in the word of God, the word that brings life. You spend time in the world that is trying to kill you instead of spend time in the presence of the one who has saved your life. God wants to remind us our relationship with him. How he's delivered you. How he's cared for you. How he's provided for you. How he's protected you. How he loved you. How he sacrificed his son for a worthless person like me. Just so I can grab a mic and speak to you. The abominations in our heart is placed there by the enemy to kill us. But as we were speaking on David, David also is the perfect example of how to overcome this abominations of the heart. So soon after um, David had Uriah killed, which is the husband of Bathsheba. For him, it was business as usual. I'm going back. I'm going to be king. No one will know this. But God, God saw. And God saw what that abomination did, not just lust, but murder. And God sent a prophet to speak to David. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but in 2 Samuel 12, 19, the Lord had his prophet say to David, do you hate the commandments of the Lord that you would do evil? That you killed Uriah and take his wife? And so, if we go to Psalm 51, this is said to take place right after Nathan had spoken to David. And the first thing David does is he acknowledges his sin. He acknowledges what he has done wrong. Psalm 51 verse 3, David says, For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. And then he states that 
that God wants truth on the inward part. In other words, he said God wants a faithful heart. And so then David repented of his sin. That is the first thing when God shows you yourself, when, when God shows you who you are and, and, and how, how you've walked away from, from where he wants you to be, the first thing we ought to do is acknowledge our sin, to repent. And the next thing David does is that he asks God to purify him. He asks God to purify him. There is nothing that we can do on our own. We, we can't get right on our own. We can't wash away our own sin. We can't just automatically just feel that, oh, just because I stopped doing this today, everything is okay. No, it takes God to clean us. That's why the Holy Spirit dwells inside of man because it's cleaning us from the inside out. We can reject the things on the outside, but it's our heart that is deceiving us. So in order to remove the abomination from our heart, in order to remove it from the sight of God, we have to take it to God. We have to humbly come before our Father and allow him to remove it, allow him to change us, allow his word to penetrate our heart. In a coffee and conversation that was spoken a couple weeks ago, it, it was said that the word, according to scripture, the word is like a seed. And that word is supposed to penetrate our heart and grow. But the enemy is also trying to place weeds at our heart. So if you put so much of the word in your heart, there's not going to be any room for the enemy to place his weeds. If, if, we, if we're in the presence of the Lord, we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, it is not going to allow the enemy to come and speak to our minds, to bring doubt in and to remind us of our past, the things that God has delivered us from because we are new creatures. When, when the Bible says that we are new creation, he said, it also said that old things are passed away. We're, we're, we're new. There is nothing from the past that can hold on to us. Everything from our past now becomes a testimony and we use that. For the glory of our Father. And so God is just removing us. It's a process. But when we trust him, when we seek him, when we give ourselves over to him, the hurt, the frustration, God will remove all that. He will bless you and use you to bless others. The abomination of our heart. Let us take this time, this word, and just look at things in our lives that 
keep coming up that the enemy keeps using to try to keep his hold upon us. And let us trust our Father enough that we're just going to surrender it to him. And just trust that he will remove it and use it for his glory. For the Bible says all things work together for good. Even the bad things that happen to us, all things work together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. In this, I'm closing. Let us just take this time and just remember that we have an all-powerful Father that there's nothing impossible for who already knows our end from our beginning. So there is nothing that you can say that's going to surprise him. So just take it to him and trust He knows what he's doing. Let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you that even though sometimes we feel that we can't come to you because of our guilt and our shame you still like the loving father that you are says just come just come and I just pray that as the week goes on we will find ourselves just immersing ourselves in you just desiring to spend time in your presence to see the things that we've placed over you and, and, and move them out of the way and put you in your rightful place in our heart. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. We pray in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ.